episode 2429 of the number one podcast in Apple Podcast, The Job Search. This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Altman, The Big Game Hunter, and welcome. I started to be called The Big Game Hunter when I did recruiting. I would hunt down leaders and staff for organizations, did it for a hell of a long time, filled a lot of positions and consulting assignments. I'm now a coach who helps people you know, they hire me for no BS career advice. That can be with a job search, hiring more effectively, management, leadership, career transitions, dealing with workplace-related issues. Because my background is complex. You know, again, I have a background in search. I also have an MSW from Fordham University. I've done postgraduate psychoanalytic training. I've run men's retreats around the world. And... Um, you know, I have a depth of experience that a lot of coaches don't really have, plus the ability to communicate well. If you've watched this show or listened to it before, you know that part's true. And I've got a good interview today with Kenneth Lang, who's a coach based out of New Jersey, very decent man. Um, and we talk about preparing for an interview, but what's fun is he had an interview scheduled like 90 minutes after we were done. So it became part prepping him for an interview, part general conversation about preparing for interviews, and you have a chance to listen in. Hope you find this helpful, and please give the show a great review wherever you watch it or listen to it. Watch on Spotify, every place else is listen to it, because it does help with the analytics and helps other people discover the show. And now, have a great weekend, and let's get going. So my guest today is Kenneth Lang. Kenneth is the co-founder of My Networking Central, a searchable database for networking events and speakers. He facilitates an online weekly LinkedIn Live on Tuesday afternoons with guests where he discusses LinkedIn best practice, practices. Kenneth is also a volunteer career, career coach for the Rutgers New Star Career Network, which provides older age 45 plus, long-term unemployed New Jersey job seekers with access to free personalized career services. Plus he mentors students from William Patterson University's, I believe that would be pronounced Pesci. Yes, it is. Institute, yep. like Joe Pesci. <laughs> Kenneth, exactly. welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for making time today. I appreciate it. Sure. So, Great to be here. For someone who does career coaching, how the heck did you get into this field? Well, I got into it because when I was looking for a job way back when, 2008, 2009, didn't really have a heck of a lot of support, um, didn't really have a roadmap as to what I wanted to do. So once I got back into working, I wanted to pay it forward, sharing what worked and what didn't work from experiences as someone looking for a job, not someone who's just going being a career coach and just got the certification, kind of like real world stuff. Gotcha. And, and, you know, I do it from a real world perspective also, even though the last time I looked for a job, I can't tell you how many presidencies ago it was. <laughs> it's that far back. But folks, we've got a fun scenario that we're going to use as a teaching piece today. And that is Kenneth has an interview for a part-time gig this afternoon. So we're going to start looking at his preparation for the interview. Mm -hmm. And let me just start by asking, so you told me earlier, we're recording this from 11 till 12, and he scheduled the appointment for what time? For 1.30, and I did that because 
uh, I wanted to block out time afterward to kind of decompress to make sure that I changed, obviously, because I'm not going to go into Nibra like this. And also just to kind of get settled. And so it's easier for me. And that's part of preparation is not to give yourself time, last minute stuff, and, you know, and even checking the connection. You know, I checked that this morning from the umpteenth time to make sure I could actually get the connection. Interesting. Um, so when you said the connection, it sounds like it's a video interview. It's actually it's a Microsoft. It's on Microsoft. It's on, okay, on it's Teams. Teams. Yeah. Teams interview. Good. So notice he gave him himself time to decompress, get focused, get ready, get changed, all that sort of stuff. Because we know, you know, it's the interview is going to see him from here up. He wants to look well. And he just wants to make sure mentally he's able to focus after what's going to be an uproarious interview with me. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because we didn't really think this was going to be the topic. And I actually got contacted about this last week from one of my connections. And it just happened so fast. And, um, you know, I, I, I had a lot of, you know, I thought about it for a while because I wasn't looking for it. But at the same time, I'm not going to turn down, if nothing else, that chance to interview again, just to even so I can share the experience with others. Even if it doesn't lead to an opportunity, I can share what it's like. You betcha. And again, this goes back to the idea of real world experience. And for him, <coughs> excuse me, who hasn't interviewed for a while, you know, there's an emotional side of interviewing, right? And oh, yeah. you know, he may have his nerves up. Yeah, I didn't sleep that well last night. I can be honest about that. Um, I didn't sleep that well. And it's weird because I know that I'm very confident about the ability. And my experience has always taught me once the interview starts, I will be fine. But it's just leading up to it. Right. And, and you know, many of you have these same reactions like Kenneth has had. You, know, you get nervous, have trouble sleeping. Can you meditate beforehand? What can you do to ground yourself so you can be present and perform at the time of the interview? So in his case, he's giving himself at least an hour and a half to be able to be ready to get on teams and deliver the goods. Excellent. Good opening lesson. Mm -hmm. How else did you prepare for this interview? Well, I did. I, I went and researched the company online. I researched the person I was going to be interviewing with. Not just, well, here's the website, that's great. Here's the website, but I want to know more, more about them because again, I, I know enough from reading it, but I want to get a real sense of what they're about. So I did some, I actually Googled the company, got some news articles um, just to get even a better sense. Interesting. And without revealing who they are, because it's irrelevant to the story. Right. Um, what were you looking for in, Googling the firm, looking on LinkedIn about them, and the other things that you did. Were there other things that you did that allowed you to get information about them? I mean, the one thing I looked at now, especially in this economy, is, is it a growth company? How has it been doing? Um, because even though it is part-time, I want to make sure it's something that's going to last more than a week or two. Um, and it's not something they're necessarily going to share right away. Um, so I'm confident in that way because this company has a lot of different things going on. The most important thing, though, besides anything else, is I actually went back and looked at the job spec and looked at my resume and I tried to anticipate questions I was going to ask that they were going to ask me. That's great. And one of the things I coach people about, folks, is if you were them trying to hire you, what would you ask? 
to evaluate you to see mm -hmm. if you're qualified for the role. Is, is that what you wound up doing? Yeah. And one of the questions I always ask right off the bat is this is a new position or is this going to be uh, uh, replacing someone? Is this a new team? I mean, again, um, just give me an idea of what I'm walking into. You know, if this is a, a new team from the ground up that I have to think about from a development standpoint, building the team and that stuff. If it's replacing someone else, I have to think about how am I going to mesh in? So that's why it's kind of good to get that, that idea right off the bat. And if it's replacing someone, folks, remember, you can always ask, what happened to the last person? Uh, and invariably, they're going to say they left for a better opportunity, which is some generic way that they think they can get rid of you. But if you ask one more question, which is, what made it a better opportunity? <laughs> Sometimes you'll learn something interesting about the environment that will help you make decisions later on. And you can't sound antagonistic when you ask it, right. but curious. So let me ask you a question from a recruiting standpoint. Sure. The recruiter sent me the information about, you know, who's, who you're going to interview and all that. I, I got for the umpteenth time, here's the interview tips. Here are the things to ask and not ask and all that. And I'm saying to myself, this is not my first rodeo. I don't really need it. But at the same time, is that stuff really, um, is that what you normally do? The, the answer was I orally prepped people when I did recruiting. Okay. I didn't send some generic file okay. um, that has tips that have been compiled from the web. And as you know, I've developed my own methodology around interviewing that when I would prep people, I learned through my clients how to best do this and notice different reactions along the way. So... For me, no, I would never send one of those documents because it was boring. It was flat. Everyone would look at it and go, oh, same crap. And they wouldn't read it. What was helpful for me this time is the recruiter shared with me some of the feedback that they had gotten from the hiring manager in the past. So I knew kind of what they were looking for based on that. And that is something which I think is so important. If, you're, if you can get that sense from the recruiter as to what past uh, job applicants, what they've been failed or succeed or not, that's kind of helpful for you. Great. And one of the fun things is if they start giving you a generic answer, um, like they may not have sent anyone in. You may be the first one walking in. Have they right. worked with this manager before? Oh, yeah, terrific woman. I, I really love her a lot. Why is that? It's always the next question that reveals something about the relationship. And what's really cool about that, recruiters are very skillful at making you think that they're trust individuals that you can trust, have knowledge, at least at the point that they're scheduling the interview. Up until that point, I know a lot of you are skeptical, and rightly so. You don't know if they're competent or not. And the other thing I did today is I confirmed just before this call that I was actually having the interview today because too many times, especially in the summer, if people get sick or something, you know, you want to make sure um, that you're checking with them and that they're checking as well. And it's on, but again, it's just another little thing. Right. And you confirm that with the recruiter? Yes. Great. So the cool thing in, in asking a question about what their relationship is with the firm, with this interview, uh, and finding out where other people haven't cut the mustard or, or gotten through and gotten hired is this texture to the answer. If you hear things like that, ah, they just weren't strong enough. That's generic. Generic right. is never good. 
if they say things like this person, like they were really close, but they missed on this one point, or they said something dumb during the interview, that, that gives you a sense that they really know, and they're not just making up stuff for you to perform and move you on to the next thing. Well, that's the thing too, even from a technical side, I know what they want technically. I'm not gonna go into nuts and bolts about my technical background because it's there and uh, I can speak to it, but it's much more important to go into um, what the process has been like and just the, the, the advantages and disadvantages because they may not even know about as much about the platform as, as you think they do. Yeah, and when you say the platform, again, we, we understand it's a coaching role, am I correct? Well, no, actually it's not. It's a, they're, they're looking for someone who knows Salesforce. Ah, okay. They're looking for someone who knows Salesforce and they're looking for a product owner. Gotcha. And it's in an agile environment. So I know enough about the job spec to know that there's things that shouldn't be there or things that aren't really thought through yet. But the questions I have are more about job title related to the role. Um, because it seems... Like a typical job spec, it seems like a wish list. So, okay, let's cut to the chase. And I'm saying this to you, not to him. Of course. Okay, you know. So, so what do you? What are the main things? I mean, what's what's going on here? I mean, what were the priorities? And for those of you who've watched me before or listened to me, you know that I believe that you, as the job hunter, always start the interview. You don't wait for them to do it, and you do it, but with a very simple thing. You know, in his case, once he connects on teams and he sees the other person on camera uh, and everyone smiles at one another and starts off with the pleasantry. You start off by saying, hey, thanks so much for making time to meet with me today. I really appreciate it. You know, I recall the position description, but I want to get your take on the role because sometimes the job descriptions are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Could you tell me about the job as you see it and what I can do to help? Because this allows you to, number one, you level the power in the, in the interview, is now on the same level. It's not them being superior and you being in the subordinate role. You get the current thinking about the job so that this way you can tailor your answers to what matters to them and not just talk about what you've done. So I like that you're doing this. Have you attended one of my interview training classes? No, I haven't. But I have to say one of the reasons I ask a question like that is it gives me a chance to think and just breathe a little bit and not be bombarded by question after question. It slows down their freight train. Definitely. I get it. You know, because so often they go right into selling mode. Yeah. Uh, tell me about yourself and what you've been doing professionally. Right. And you're there to perform like the train monkey for the organ yeah. grinder. For those of you who are younger, that's something if you watch an old movie during the Depression era, there were these people who made monkey uh, money by having... Uh, a hand-cranked right. organ and a little monkey that would dance in front of it. Don't worry about it. It's not important. And, and I, I also want to ask what they like about the company, how long have they been there? Now, I, I've looked them up on LinkedIn, so I can kind of get the answer to that. But it gives me an insight as to a little bit about them. Right. So how else did you prepare here? Were there other things that you did? What I did is I reached out to a couple of contacts I knew with the company on LinkedIn. Um, so they told me certain things. They told me about the mentality. It's uh, the position is definitely going to stay remote. But what I found most interesting was that this is a role which 
from what they told me as a new role, because they're just they're looking to do some more stuff. But they're building out a new team. This is what people told me internally. I want them to tell me that as well. And I, I got a good sense about the comfort level because of my age, you know, again, I'm a certain age, I want to make sure that that age question gets dealt with right off the bat. They don't have an issue with that. But again, you don't want to bring it up per se, but you want to acknowledge it. Um, and how might you acknowledge it during the interview? How do you think, we know it's an indirect approach, but the audience doesn't necessarily know. How might you bring it up? Well, I would just talk about not just my experience, but how, I, how in my recent jobs, how I've mentored people, how I've been a team player in that way. And that expertise to working at different places is an advantage. But I also recognize that people that are, and this person is probably about half my age, from what I can tell, um, I love to be always learning about stuff. You know, I'm not going to go and saying I know everything because that's the perception of people of our age. We know everything. We can't be taught. We can't train, you know, that sort of stuff. It's so true. The, um, the image that's been created of older professionals, as long as I worked in recruiting, which I did for 40 freaking years, right. was that older workers are know-it-alls. And as such, they're uncoachable, unmanageable. They act like their <clears throat> doesn't stink. And thus, they take no direction. They know better than the manager. And thus, they're unmanageable. And even working remotely. I mean, I've worked remotely besides the last two years. I was remote for years before that as a, as a developer. And, you know, it's when you have to deal with stuff outside of work, that helps. And so it might be reassuring this person that, that I'm going to have no problem, you know, being independent and all that. But I think a lot of this, I'm going to take my lead from the tone of the interview. I mean, I'm anticipating as we're talking now, but, you know, you don't want to have a script and, and not be able to, to, to stray from the script. And I encourage people to have a framework rather right. than a script. The script is too robotic. Right. And, and to me, when people hire, competence is only one thing they look for. It's self-confidence, character, chemistry, maybe a little bit of charisma. Charismatic people will always do better, but it's not a requirement. That you care, that they can connect with you, and ultimately they want to trust you. And only one of that, those is a hard skill. Everything else are soft skills. I'm going to try a different final question today. First time in a while. Ooh, what's your final question you're going to my answer? My final question is going to be, is there anything in my background that, that you're somewhat concerned about that I can put your mind at ease for? I just I have to think about the framing of it. Like, okay, we've had the conversation. Now, let's kind of deal with what's there. Is there anything I can help? Alleviate. I mean, I'm just, but you know what I'm, I'm looking yeah, at. Yeah, I'll give you my version of that question. Sure. Because, sure. you know, again, I'm an MSW. I did postgraduate psychoanalytic uh -huh. training. And I bring these skills in, right. into the process. Is there anything that you've heard or not heard that gives you reason to be concerned about whether I'm qualified to do this job? Mm -hmm. And the key part is heard or not heard. not heard because one thing I've, i figured out at one point is most hiring managers are untrained and thus they sometimes word things in ways that steer people in one direction but they want to go in a different one and the first time i started coaching people with, uh, this way two folks came back to me after the interview said that the last question was great because each of them heard 
uh, got feedback that, that said, I didn't really hear a lot about such and such. And then they, they were able to say, oh, when you ask that question about this, I thought when this direction, you want me to go in that one. Can I tell you about what I've done? And they said, sure. And each of them was invited back. One got hired, one was beaten out by someone else, but they got to the next step. So heard or not heard uh, is great language that just allows them, maybe, because they can always lie, of course. to open up and tell you about their concerns. But you want I, you have to feel comfortable and confident in yourself to do that, not the question of, well, how, how soon can I follow up or anything like that, which is almost a throwaway question. You have to be willing to be open about that. And I am maybe, and you have to feel that way. And, and my version of that question is, could you give me an idea about what next steps might be? And yeah. when, I, when I coach people, I say there are three possible answers that you'll get. And we've got 24 more people to talk with. We'll be back in touch when health freezes over is one type of answer. Mm -hmm. Another one is early part of next week. And the third one is expect early part of next week. You'll hear from HR. They want to schedule you back to meet three people. The more specificity you hear, the better. And then you follow up because I'm a big believer in the follow-up being the reveal. You follow up by saying, so if I haven't heard from you by Wednesday, Thursday, is it okay if I you know, get back in touch? And if they say, wait, not as good. <laughs> if, they say, if they say, sure, no problem, great. And, and you have your feedback, mm -hmm. not just the direct answer, but through the follow-up. I mean, I agree. And that's why... You know, the, the more that having gone through some of these scenarios in my life and talking them through with you, I think would hope it's very beneficial for other people, you know, to kind of think that way. You know, it's, it's a conversation, not an inquisition. And the sooner it becomes an inquisition, the more you wonder about how this person runs a department. Now, again, screeners are different. Yeah. You know, you know, screeners are different. I got the impression from Kenneth that he was talking with someone who actually makes decisions. Apparently they do because they are, they are listed as the, as the hiring manager. Now, if this person says, I want, I want you to talk to a couple of technical people on the team and other time, absolutely fine. I mean, again, I'm not, but then at least I have the ground, the understanding, you know, this could be a one and done. It could be um, a week, two weeks, whatever it is, it is. I mean, I'm coming from a place of strength, I feel. Yeah, you've got something and they're approached, you've been approached by a recruiter about something part-time that interests you. Terrific. Yep. yep. So other versions of preparation, like when you've coached people mm -hmm. or you're looking at your own situation, how else do you tell people to prepare? Well, I say make sure you, you have certain stories prepared about your background that lend themselves to the job. Like the interview today, I'm going to talk about some of my successes at my more recent jobs and how they've uh, made me put me in this place now. Um, I'm not going to read off my resume. I'm not going to do the 30 second elevator pitch. Ugh. I mean, that's not what this is about. No. Um, I, I might make a small talk comment about the weather. I don't know. I'll play it by ear. I mean, but it's really just kind of how, how's your day going? Um, it's very general and smiling for sure.
Right. And, and because you're on camera, the smile is important. Absolutely. And, and that's when they get to the tell me about yourself question or the walk me through your background question. By the way, folks, I'm doing a little coaching with Kenneth here as we're going sure. along to give him ideas of where he, yeah. he can perform yep. using some of my ideas. You know, I believe it's not a 30 second elevator pitch because it's not enough. I believe it's a minute to a minute 15 tops. And the first 20 seconds is the general summary that you would consider the elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. I've been in the field now for X number of years. For, you know, I've worked with Salesforce, for whatever it is, 20, 25 seconds. But what's probably most relevant in my background for this role is my experience with and then going into connecting the dots between what they, your background and what they just told you about in the run-up to the question. Because again, if you follow my advice, it's you're first hearing them tell you about the job. Then they're going into tell me about yourself. So the idea is to make the fit obvious to them right away so that they have what People have described to me as like a Scooby-Doo moment. If you mm -hmm. remember the cartoon dog, yeah. <clears throat> and their ears perk up because that phrase was probably most relevant in my background for this role, mm -hmm. makes them go to attention because they know the next thing is important. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't believe in elevator pitches. I also believe, and uh, this is something I've had to train myself to do, is to wait a few seconds before answering a question, to think before I respond back. So it gives me a chance to listen to the question instead of having that answer like prepared. That's a lesson learned from many years of interview. And it, it, if you could illustrate how long it might be, if I were to ask you a question, could you illustrate the pause now? Sure. And funny you should ask, but you know. <laughs> You know, maybe 5, 10, 15 seconds. It might even be, excuse me, would you mind repeating the question if I haven't really gotten it because I don't want to answer the, you know, incorrectly. I mean, it, it depends. It's a kind of, like you and I are talking right now. So it's kind of the way that would be. You know, this person on the other end, I'm selling myself, he's selling the company. And, you know, hopefully we, you know, we have agreement. Yeah. For me, that felt long. Okay. Uh, and, and I share that with you. I, I like the idea of the pause as well as breaking eye contact as though you're thinking of the answer and then coming uh -huh. back to the eyes and answering it. So if I were illustrating it for you and you were to ask me a question just for a moment. So how's this interview going? I think it's going well. And notice how I use that brief repetitive word. I think, I think it's going well. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea. It's something that buys some time to give you the sense and project the idea that you're thinking. So do you like putting I think in the beginning of a sentence not, as opposed to? Not all the time. That's why I wanted to pray. Yeah, I, I went through um, a transcription of an interview I did with someone else mm -hmm. and um, I don't, I didn't get the idea that he was nervous, but he kept saying, I think, and write repetitively, like in multiple sentences in sequence. And there had to be 50 or 60 instances of each in a 30 minute conversation. And these 
words like this, if used too often, lose the audience. So I've used, I think, right, like, uh, as words that are not uh, powerful words. Mm -hmm. They're filler words is that they would say in Toastmasters. Yet it's human, as long as I'm not doing it a ridiculous amount of time. Right. So as you just did, <laughs> and, and that was a perfect answer, but you haven't repetitively said it. You can say, I agree. And at times I use that phrase to, rather than right. I'll say, I agree. And then add on to it. This is fun, Kenneth. I, I've got to tell let me, you. Let me ask you the other side of this. Do you think that hiring managers are just as nervous as job seekers when they interview someone? No, think? I, I think they're disinterested until you grab them. Okay. And I say that because you're an interruption to the day. They've got lots of things to do. And until you get their attention and involve them in the interview, they don't know whether they should pay attention because the last 10 people were a waste of their time. Often, I remember when I did recruiting, the owner of the agency would walk over to some of us and go, could you talk to this person for about 20 minutes? And I had no preparation. I just, I was asked to talk to someone for 20 minutes and they, I knew they had something else to do. Mm -hmm. Managers sometimes are courteous enough not to push people off and do the interview, but no matter what, you're an interruption to their day. So how do you know if an interview is going south from, from recruiting, hiring agents? So what I found is a couple of things. Obviously, you have a sense, a mm -hmm. feeling that you're, you've lost. You, know, you can see the disengagement. Uh, they're going in for the kill on the interview. And, and for those of you who listen to this in podcast form, Kenneth had a big smile on his face when I said they'll go in for the kill. They'll just try and destroy you in some way. Uh, often managers are more subtle than that. But if you think of the questions and your answers, you'll pick up on certain body language, the eyes that get a little bit smaller as being one signal. To be the biggest buy signal is when they stop asking you questions and start talking more. The more they talk, the more they like you. And if it happens that they're shifting, let's say 20, 25 minutes into a 30 minute interview and they do all the talking, they're selling to you at that point. So I have a video called The Headhunter's Secret to Knowing You Did Well on an Interview. And that's really it. The more they talk, the more they like you. And like I said, 25 minutes in, if they're in there uh, doing all the talking, they're trying to persuade you about the opportunity, you know, we're a great place, blah, 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 blah. So what happened? We covered about interview preparation and we really should, because I must tell you that time's been flying. Kind of. Really? Yeah. What, what haven't we covered yet that we really should as part of your preparation or how you coach people for their preparation? Well, I'm going to assume this, this is over besides reaching out to the HR people and letting them know. Definitely going to send a thank you. 
um, to the hiring manager. Um, maybe a LinkedIn connection request. I don't really know yet because it depends how the interview goes. But after that, I'm just going to lay low. I'm not going to be the pest every day or every other day. Um, I, I will ask the recruiter since it went through an agency, um, when should I check back with you and how should I check back with you? You know, Abby talked yesterday about texting being the thing. Abby, Abby is someone that he interviewed named yeah, Abby, Abby Cohen. Yeah. He said, I'd much rather prefer a text than an email or a phone call. And I'm happy to do that. Um, what I've learned from experience is if they, if they um, pull you up on the phone, it's usually bad news. And if they send an email, it's usually good news. My experience from a recruiting standpoint. Interesting. Um, I know when I called people back in the Stone Ages, uh -huh. um, it was, you know, I, I want to schedule another interview. Uh, I want, uh, I want to pre-close them at right. a particular price because I had a sense of what my client was ready to offer, mm -hmm. uh, and I want to make sure that was that number was going to be okay with the person. And I, I heard you say something to the contrary, like. If you get a phone call, you're thinking bad news. Well, because more time, unless, unless the message is, hi, this is recruiter, I've got great news, period. Mm -hmm. But if, if it's just going, hi, this is someone from the agency, you can tell in the tone of the voice, this is not going to go well. That's been my experience. And it's okay to some extent. But if they send, they're never going to send an email back as a next step. It's always going to be a phone call from my experience, only because it's probably easier for them. Um, and again, this is my, this is my background. Because mm -hmm. um, I think the emails, it's more about, well, here's the onboarding stuff. Um, here's the next thing we have to do. Because they probably have to make a lot of those calls all day. And they may be doing it from somewhat of a script. And they don't, they just want to get it over with, you know, in some cases. And I would assume they have something programmed into the ATS or into Outlook. I know uh, my, my system was relatively primitive. Uh, so I had a signature file in Outlook mm -hmm. that was named rejection. So I could just send an email that said, you know, one of the most difficult things I have to do as a recruiter is to let someone know that they've been turned down for a position. That unfortunately is the case with you. And I would go into some nice pleasantries and I'll continue mm -hmm. trying to help you. But in this particular case, the door is closed. And I would do that by email for the simple reason that I couldn't make that call all the time because I just had too many instances where people would argue with me about how poor the interviewer was. They didn't really do this or ask about that. They want to know why they were turned down. Sometimes I didn't have that information because the client didn't want to say, you know, they acted like a jerk. <laughs> hey, I, I, I can only go by my background. Generally speaking, when I have interviews that I expect to have a follow-up from, that's one thing. I'm not talking about a one-off that I never hear back. And I would rather have the conversation and thank them for their time. I mean, this interview, this person today, um, we've been in touch for years. And we just stay in touch every once in a while. And so the follow-up is so important. And if you, you have to have a few good recruiters. You know, you're not going to be able to stay in touch with 50 or 60 or 70. But it, it's about building a relationship with anything you do. We agree. Kenneth, this has been a lot of fun. How can people find out more about you, the work that you do for as long as you do it? Well, no, I'm, I'm, that's the reason it's part-time. I mean, it, it'll, it'll be good to do it remotely. 
Um, I'm not ready to delve back into corporate, probably never. Um, you can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love that. And if you go to mynetworkingcentral.com, you'll see a list of all of our events and our speakers. And uh, if anyone ever wants to have a chat about the LinkedIn profile, they can always reach out to me because that's what I love to do is like love with, to work with people. And Jeff, thank you very much for having me today. My pleasure. And what's the URL for your LinkedIn profile? It's w, it's LinkedIn.com. Colon backtabs, backtab, www.linkedin.com, backtab, n.lang And I mean, again, that's just, I, I know that in the back of my hand. Um, I, I wish there was some way I could actually just put it right here. But if you look at Kenneth Lang, I'll probably be the first one. Excellent. Kenneth, thanks for making time. And folks, we'll be back soon with more. I'm Jeff Alpin, The Big Game Hunter. Hope you enjoyed this interview. If you didn't, you're watching on YouTube. Share or leave a comment. Do something that lets people know it was worthwhile. Also, visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us. There's a ton in the blog that you that'll help you. Plus, you can find out about my courses that you could rent or buy, my books and guides. There's just a lot there that'll be of service to you. Also, Connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game. Have a terrific day and most importantly, take care. Good luck, everyone. Be great. Take care.